guys, this is Founders at Five, your favorite podcast about topics that don't make it to the happy hour. My name is Anna. I'm Lena, and welcome to our happy hour. Today is the first happy hour that we have remote. Anna is now in Spain, living her best life, as you know. We do have wine. The wine is very real. Cheers. Cheers, Anna. What are you drinking? Spanish wine? Yes, this is some kind of Spanish wine that I had in the fridge. I mean, I love wines here. Like you go in Spain and you order wine anywhere and you just say, can I have white wine or red wine or whatever? And they'll just bring you the most amazing wine. Like you don't even know what it is. It's never bad. It's just always good and it's always cheap and it's always chilled. I know. And it's the house wine is always so good. I wish I could have a house wine at home. (laughs) (laughs) And the next time when you come over, I'm like, would you like to have red, white, sparkling or rosé? And then I bring the Casa de Lina. Exactly. Well, what are you having? I have a French rosé. I thought that this might be the last days of rosé when it's nice and warm and sunny and then we're like slowly moving into the red wine season. I know, right? Like New York is really entering the red wine season. Yeah, I don't mind. I love red wine. Well, I know that a lot of people have been wondering, I'm included, how was your vacation? Oh, geez. Well, I ended up taking three days instead of five. I landed on Monday and I was going to take the whole week off and then The very typical thing happened, which is like, oh, I have this couple of things that I still need to do to wrap up, basically. And then it took me like a couple of days to do them. But Wednesday onwards, yeah, it was great. I mean, I went to the beach. It's like really hot in here. I think like the last real like beach days, you know, like swim in the Mediterranean. And I obviously, you know, I spent time with my family. I haven't seen my parents in almost a year and a half. Probably because of the pandemic and all these visa things. Well, yeah, I always have the thought in my head like, oh, I need to have this perfect timing when I will go see them, when I can actually take some time off and I'm not like bothered by work. And I think we've talked about this before, how I think it's really hard for if you're like a founder and you have your own business, it's really hard to take some time off mentally, even because you always feel like, oh my God, I have to be on, I have to read emails, I have to be working, even though literally nothing happens in a week. Like I wish my company was at the stage where like something crazy happens in a week and you like miss out on a whole bunch of things. But the reality is like you never really do. But in your head, you're like, oh no, I need to be at a certain stage. And then that stage just never really comes because there's like new things, new challenges, new momentum, new this and that. And so I was kind of waiting for all of that. Like I waited throughout the whole summer Then you add the visa stuff because now I have to actually go and get like a stamp from a U.S. embassy to be able to come back because I got a a new visa. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) You know what that's like. Well, yes. Anna and I, we did have exactly kind of a similar visa process. I had the same situation because I also hadn't seen my family in a year and a half. And I think after that one year and a couple of months, you start to feel like, okay, now it's been a while. Oh, for sure. And I don't think people really understand what it's like when you're like hustling your either working or building a business or whatnot, like how much mental energy it still takes on top of the usual hustle to like be away from family or have this uncertainty with the visa or with like, can I travel? Can I come back? What stamps do I need? What appointments do I need? Like, it's just, uh Yeah. And with the whole visa thing, you cannot leave the country. So for me, that was really stressful. And at the time also, nobody could enter the US because of travel restrictions. But then also it's so stressful because your entire existence, your entire day-to-day life is dependent on this process to go through. And here you are living your everyday life, doing your thing, hustling. You have your friends, your apartment, your relationships, all of that. And then it feels like it's not on a very solid ground. Yeah. Because it's not up to you. 
And I feel like it's at the back of your head. Like sometimes you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh shit. And then you're like, why am I feeling this way? And you're like, oh, it's because like subconsciously you're thinking about everything you have and you're like, what is this going to look like in a month? What if I my visa won't be approved? What is this and that and the other? And oh, so I'm like really, really happy to now finally not be in a position where I have to worry about that besides the stamp now, but 99% of the work is done. So, well, you're almost there. I remember when I was almost there and I emailed my lawyer apparently so many times that then she asked me not to email her anymore. So <laughs> she changed her email because of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now I'm dealing with the PTSD, but you know, that's another <laughs> conversation. Nothing little wine couldn't fix. Yeah, that is very true. So a couple of days ago, Anna and I were texting and sending some voice notes about fails and our failures. and. We decided to dedicate this episode to our fails and share them with you guys. We save them all for you. Yes. And we found that a lot of the times we all know in theory that you need to embrace failure, but it's much easier said than done. So we hope that sharing ours will help you to fail and embrace <laughs> failing. I don't know. I kind of feel like regardless of what that failure was in retrospect, it's always something that you can, you know, laugh at and like share in a podcast. I would have never gone on on a podcast the next day and be like, guess what? I fucked up yesterday. Even like a few years ago, it would not have been a thing. But I think it's also something maybe that becomes a little bit easier with age and wisdom that it feels a little bit easier to share. Okay, so tell us about a time when you were like, I fucked this one up. So in my founder journey, I've had two companies and one of them was a production company I had with a friend. And really early on in the early days, we had this one experience that is not one but two fails in one double fail yes so in retrospect <laughs> yeah in retrospect i'm like okay well maybe it was a good thing to do like two mistakes with one and not like with two different so we came in touch with a beverage brand cool product school brand and we really wanted to have this in our portfolio so we suggested to make a brand film and we were so eager and excited and also did not have that much experience in running a production company and what it means to, you know, budgets and pricing and all of that. We were more like thinking about the creative side and all of that. So then we made an offer to make a brand film for free, mistake number one. And we were ready to invest our time for free. But then what we kind of missed in this proposal was that production in New York is very expensive. It's actually not free. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not free. So after realizing that shit, this thing requires a lot of resources, we tried to bring this up to the, the brand and say like, hey, you know, there are production costs and maybe you could consider covering at least some of them. And they did not agree. And I can also understand that like, yes, they were promised a free film. So there was a miss in the expectation management. And also like we were too eager to promise too much. And then to overpromise under deliver, that's the worst thing you can do. And we really learned it the hard way. That was the big mistake number one. And we shared the idea. We shared the script, the storyline and a rough draft of a storyboard. They loved it. They really thought that the storyline and script was good. And then they were like, go for it and do it. And you have free hands. Mistake number two. <laughs> free hands. 
did they end up taking them the the short film no and and i don't think that i even finished editing the thing how long did you guys spend on that way too much but then it was a process i could have learned through working with someone else or like somebody else telling me about their mistakes you know once i did this do not do this with a potential customer or do not do these mistakes but then i really learned the hard way and i guess that that's just my way of learning I think also maybe I was a little bit hard on myself right after this project. Like I should have done A, B and C differently and I should have known. But at the end of the day, you can't know this beforehand. And then also it was a really good learning about sometimes customers can be a little bit unreasonable. A little bit? Yeah. And the free ones are the worst. Yeah. What is yours? Well, you know how we all have, I don't know if we all have, but oftentimes... People have these nightmares about being on stage or lights on you and then you like fuck up or like forget your lines and then you like wake up and you're like, oh my God, I had this nightmare and whatever. I like literally had that happen to me, not exactly in that way, but I was a part of this uh, organization called Junior Chamber International. They're basically like a network of young leaders and they organize a whole bunch of events, workshops, trainings, debates, pitch competitions, speech competitions, whatever. And I was like in one of the chapters in Finland and we had a speech competition that one guy was supposed to represent our chapter in. And last minute he had to cancel. And so we went to this event and my chapter was like, oh, hey, you know what? Actually, you should do it because this guy can't anymore. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, I like being in front of people and I like talking and whatever. And so I went to it and this competition was like, they give you a topic and you have five minutes to prepare and three minutes to talk. And you have to have a particular structure, keep the audience, whatever you have judges. And I really killed it. I won the whole thing and they were like, oh my God, you were amazing. And you know, I didn't have any pressure. So I was like, oh, that's great. I could do this. And so I proceeded to like nationals. They had like this yearly annual huge event, like hundreds of people from all these different chapters, you know, and same thing, right? I think we had like 10 minutes time and five minutes was supposed to be the speech, right? I don't remember what the topic was, but the topics were something along the lines of like, why best leaders are phenomenal salespeople or like how leadership can change the world, you know, something along those lines, right? And then you can just create a narrative and, you know, do the speech. And everybody was like, oh, because I did so great in the first one. They were like, oh my God, it's going to kill it. They were like, walking around telling everybody how our chapter is going to win. Like we got this kick-ass speaker. She's going to like kick your ass. And I started like developing a little bit of pressure. I was like, okay. And then they gave us, I remember they gave us, we were maybe like, let's say 10 speakers, right? And they gave us the topic and then we could go to our rooms to prepare, right? 10 minutes, which is a really freaking short time to prepare a speech and be like, okay, this is the structure. This is how I'm going to captivate the audience. I go to my room and I just remember like completely go like I was like, oh my God, like 10 minutes, what am I going to say? Like I could feel it that it just wasn't happening. Like I wasn't coming up with anything. I was trying to put together a structure, super bad. I look at the time and I'm like, shit, I have to go back soon. Like, oh my God, like this isn't really happening. This is going to suck. And then you have these thoughts, right? Oh my God, I'm going to suck. I'm going to blow this. Like it's so embarrassing, whatever. You already, I'm, this is the last thing you should do, right? When you're preparing for something. And then we go in there and I remember you have to like wait backstage while the other speaker is, is speaking. And so I was waiting for my turn and literally like 30 seconds before I go on stage, I look at my feet and listen, anybody who knows me knows that I really rock heels, right? Like heels is my thing. It's like, gives me confidence. I look good. I love heels. And I had tons of heels with me and I looked down at my feet and I'm wearing the freaking slippers. <laughs> 
from the room. Like I couldn't even, I didn't even change. And this is the one moment when, you know, like if I was in my dream, this is the like, and I went out in a bathrobe type of scenario, right? Well, I had the slippers, but that to me was like, oh shit, I'm gonna look like ridiculous going on the stage in freaking slippers. And I was already feeling not great because I was like, I don't even know what I'm gonna say. The whole prep was just like, it just didn't go well, right? So go up there, I start, I try to do something and I'm like, I'm feeling it. And you know, like you have all the lights on you. It was like pretty big stretch, hundreds of people. But because the lights are on you, you can't really see most of them, but I could see some faces, some familiar faces. And I'm like, oh shit, like these people, they're like cheering me on, sitting there kind of being like, okay, okay. They all believe in you and they're like, we're gonna win. Well, uh, probably after the first minute, they were like, oh, we might actually not win. I think they got it. And I'm trying to like scramble it together. And then the worst thing is like, I think I was maybe halfway through whatever the hell I thought I was going to say. And then the judge show that I have 30 seconds left. And I'm basically like, fuck me, this is it. I don't remember how I wrapped up. It was the most embarrassing moment and listen it's not like there was not much on the line which is my pride you know what I mean and I remember the worst thing was seeing people afterwards and they go um good job and I'm like you know I know it wasn't I know I blew it and or like you did your best yeah and it's like uh no and listen I would have actually appreciated somebody being like what the hell happened? You were terrible, right? Because it's at least it's out there. But people be like, oh, no, it's fine. You did good. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And for the rest of the night, I remember just feeling really shitty, even though, of course, I mean, in the big scheme of things, like who cares, right? Nobody remembers anything. Everybody got drunk, whatever. Somebody won. But it was just embarrassing to me. And that whole scenario of being out there, being like, oh, my God, I'm like completely have no idea what I'm saying. And this isn't very common to me because I love being in front of people and I love talking and I think to me it was more like even things that you're really good at, if you take too much pressure on yourself, all of a sudden the things that you're really great at naturally, you bomb, right? It was just also a really good reminder of like, why didn't I just go out there and do my thing? Why wasn't I just, you know what I mean? Like I started overthinking, you know, oh, I have to be so good and all these people believe in me and... Yeah, yeah, I'm putting pressure on yourself. Yeah, exactly. And the fucking slippers too, like what? What was your thought process in walking out in the slippers? Literally, I felt like the remaining whatever confidence I may have had when I looked and saw the slippers, I was like, yeah, okay, like this is not gonna, you know what I mean? Like, it's just this moment where like the last drops are just like uh, leaving yeah. your body and you're <laughs> like, okay, and now it's my turn. <laughs> I feel like athletes have these rituals, right? Like that they do certain things before the game. It's like if an athlete didn't do that ritual, right? Like I wasn't wearing my heels and I was like, who am I even? in these slippers, you know what I mean? It's not me. I feel like in these situations, when we are super embarrassed or, or mortified, we think so much about what other people think, but they rarely think at all. Everybody's so self-centered and they think mostly about themselves. I try to remind myself, like, if I do something embarrassing, I'm like, okay, everybody thinks more about themselves than anyone else. Yeah, I don't think if you went to any of these people and be like, do you remember this girl in slippers? Everybody would be like, no fucking clue who that was. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the, the alcohol and drinks after, you know, play a part. <laughs> Do you have another one? Yes, I have another failure with the same production company that we had. We came in touch quite randomly with an agency slash consultant company. 
then they suggested to us like, hey, why don't you come and pitch to us? Like you seem like you have a good entrepreneurial spirit and let's see (laughs) where where that takes off. And it's really hard to say no to those things where somebody's like, you should come and sell us something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like maybe there is some potential for something great, collaboration or whatever. Now that was mistake number one. (laughs) (laughs) And we were, of course, super excited, super eager. And we're like, let's do a pitch that really looks like us. And that was maybe the mistake. So instead of, you know, do a pitch that looks like you and presentation that looks like your company or your services or you, if, you know, that's the case, we really went all in, in creating a pitch that looks like us, (laughs) like too much. What does that mean? So we went all in on telling our story and telling our story with all of our personality and the brand that we had created all in, which is great. However, what we missed was looking more into the company that we were pitching to and like, who are they? What do they do? We knew on a high level, like they're in this industry. This is what they do. These these are the type of services, but we didn't really know our audience at all. And we also didn't really know who we were pitching to. And that partly wasn't really on us because we knew the person that we had been in touch with. But then in the moment, he brought in other people. So that one we couldn't have prepared for. But then the whole pitch and the meeting was awful because as soon as we started, we realized that this message or the way that we are now presenting this is so wrong for this audience. How did you realize? Was it like on their faces? Reactions, faces, attention, just like declining super fast. We were so embarrassed. And then thank God now, like it was cut short. At the time I felt a little bit like, oh my God, that's so rude. Did they cut it short? I think, yeah, like more on their initiative, like cut thank short. Thank you so much. This is more than enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and like, we, yeah, we'll get back to you. And I remember like when we took the elevator down, we were mortified and it went so wrong in so many ways. After that, that was a dip in my confidence, really. How could something go so bad and the vibe was so bad? And this was also many, many years ago when we were much younger and less experienced. So it was easier to have the confidence dip when you are less experienced and when you are younger, like with age comes a little bit of a certain type of confidence. Now looking back, of course, it's much easier to look back and say, like, see it more objectively. I think one of the huge mistakes from the really get go was the common pitch for us, an open pitch like that, when there is no objective, like, okay, as a client, as a collaborator, as a partnership, as what? Create a pitch and, and come and talk with us. No, that's very difficult to deliver on a proposal like that. We really lived it <laughs> and and learned that way. And I would not want to go through that experience again because it was just, it felt like a professional confidence dip. And that's very discouraging when you are also like starting out. And we were also starting out not the easy way by having a company instead of like going and being employed by someone and learning these kind of like basic things that way. But do you think that they were even serious about it? Because it's like, if somebody just says like, come and pitch, it's kind of more like, well, we don't mind coming for 15 minutes to a boardroom to listen to a presentation that we can cut short if it doesn't feel like it's a good fit. Because people are paid to come to work, right? Yeah. 
And now also looking back, I felt so embarrassed by the whole presentation that we did. But however, it was very much us. So I don't feel now bad for doing something that still looked like us and it had our messaging and so on. You probably would have been proud of it now and be like, well, you know what? What a wrong audience, but like I would not change a thing because this is who we are. Yes, I think so. And I, it wouldn't be such a big hit to me. Like I wouldn't feel so mortified. I wouldn't feel so embarrassed and like, oh my God, can I even do this? Those would not be the first feelings. I would be like, okay, this was maybe a bad judgment or I did not do my research well, but it would not be like an existential crisis that it was at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, how, how old were you? It was in my 20s. Like I was still doing my master's. Nowadays, I feel like the more you get experience, the less you even care about every single failure or every single client who didn't want to work with you or every single negative feedback or whatever. You don't even process because people always say, oh, you like take whatever learnings you can. But I have to say there's like a there's a whole bunch of cases where I've just been like, okay, cool. Well, this is how it went. And I never even think about it again, because it's just not even worth like really dedicating your thought process to you're like, okay, cool, like wrong client, wrong investor, or like wrong timing or whatever, moving on. And it's fine. Like you don't have to dwell on it. And that's key with the whole fail fast. In my opinion, it's not that you need to fail super fast, but it's more about getting over it fast. I always think that every conflict, every failure, every mistake, they have their own dedicated time where you can sit and really like think about it and then get whatever learnings you can. But then if, if you overspend a time on thinking about it or feeling embarrassed or feeling bad, it starts to have a very negative impact on everything you do. So I think the fail fast is really how fast can you just bounce back? Because life is all about failing. Well, I think it's a confidence thing, right? Like the more confident you are, the faster you get over it because you start detaching yourself. And I'm not talking about like not taking responsibility. You can take responsibility, but you can say, oh, I made a mistake. Doesn't mean like I suck or I don't know what I'm doing, whatever. Just be like, oh, cool. I had no idea or I made a mistake or like what a poor judgment call or I just freaking under delivered, like didn't do a good job, was too last minute, whatever it is, right? But it's fine. It doesn't shatter you. And I think it's a confidence thing. When you build up confidence, then you no longer have to dwell on these things. And it doesn't really affect you in, in the way maybe it does when you're in your 20s or regardless of how old you are, if you don't have that experience, right? Yeah, experience builds confidence. And that's one of the best things about getting a little bit older. I mean, I don't know. There are a lot of old, dumb people. <laughs> well, but they might be still confident. Oh, well, that's true. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. That's like, a, you know, you don't want to end up like one of those. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you can always send us love letters, comments and feedback and questions on Instagram, Founders at Five. See you guys next week.